What's up, guys? This is football running back Sam Slade, and you are listening to the State of Marauders podcast, sponsored by D1 Media Pro, the number one live stream in the state of New Jersey for high school sports. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the State of Marauders podcast, where we will cover everything by your St. Peter's Prep Marauders. This week, we're going to feature Mark Lovita of the class of 2019 on our alumni spotlight. And we're going to talk about one of the more interesting plays in prep history as we talk about Chris Stoltz's, a.k.a. Big Sexy's, interception from 2016 against Seton Hall Prep. As always, we can be found on any of your listening devices on Apple, on Spotify, on Anchor, you name it, we're there. So be sure to search State of the Murders or follow us on our social media profile at SOT Marauders to see all of our exclusive Marauder content. As always, I am your host, Ronald Rodriguez, along with my excellent co-hosts, Chris Amaral and Jay Post. Guys, another week in the books. How are we feeling today? I'm taking this time to protest. Protest? What are we protesting? Greg Popovich as head coach oh. of the U.S. Olympic basketball team. Stop the steal of our talent. Stop the steal of our talent. Greg Popovich is a fraud without Wake Forest legend Tim Duncan. He's a nobody. It's time. It's time to go. It's it's time to go. They should have called up uh, Ish Smith. Who? Ish Smith. Who? And now, now we get better than anyone on the Nets. Thank you very much. We get to be laughed at now by the French. The French, which is just beyond embarrassing. Evan Fournier dropped 28 on this team. I think you just need to go home now. I don't care if they end up winning the gold. This is too much. So, yeah, Olympics are going on, if you're unaware. I went back to the Jersey City for the first time in a while yesterday. Oh. Was, that was lovely. Yeah, had some prep kids. Dropped by St. Peter's. You know, did the whole, did our whole, our whole bit. So, yeah, it was nice to get back into the swing of things. And, yeah, that's my, my protest segment for this week. Yeah, that was America's first loss in the Olympics, apparently, since 2004. So, uh, yeah, that's atrocious. Greg, leave. We need Mirabel coaching this team. Um, <laughs> call up Mark Armstrong, you cowards. You're not talking well, enough remember, about I, I, this. I'm pretty sure Coach Mirabel is coaching, like, the Dominican, like, U18 order. Yeah, so we need yes. to get him, we need to get him to the United States. Hot coaching prospect. Come on now. Hot coaching prospect. Yes, I I would love to have Coach Mirabel coach the USA squad. I think they they would they would compete. They play some defense at least. Can we see LeBron James's school versus St. Peter's prep in an out of conference game? Question mark. <laughs> These are the connections we need to make. <laughs> That'd be interesting. That'd be interesting for sure. So. I, I think it's time to talk about some prep athletic news. What do you guys think? I think it's time to talk some 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 prep news this week. Yeah, yeah. All right. Sure. All right. So let's talk about this week's edition of the prep athletic news. So the prep football team, they're ranked. 34th in the country by High School Football America. Ooh, and they're three, too low. 
Too Ooh, low. Too, too low. Respect too us. Low. Respect us. Respect us. Respect yeah, us. Oh, Jay Jerma is at high school for all America once again. We're going to be in the top 20 by the end of the year when we win the state title. It does Ooh, not matter. Is it, time, is it time to bring back the big Jay Jerno's bit? Because I think it it's is, We've got to have Jay Jerno's at max preps or once again. It's not max preps. Not max we preps. are jumping the gun here. Years, so we will, we will say. St. Peter's Prep is ranked number 34, second in New Jersey behind Bergen Catholic, who are ranked number 14 after finishing top in the state rankings this season after we did have post-COVID layoff, a pretty dismal end to our season. Yes. And again, high school football America is one of the more respected, I think. Not by me, Mr. Rodriguez. I don't respect any ranking. Listen to me. I, I, I respect no ranking that ranks us below Bergen Catholic in anything. Sorry, principal. Well, to be fair, though, Bergen Catholic won. I am not being fair. And they have I will not be fair. Than us, so therefore, they should be ranked better. Sure. I, I mean, disagree. I Why would you counterpoints? No. There's nothing else to look at besides last year. What else is there to disagree with? There's always nothing. What I disagree with is we are always better than Bergen Catholic. What do you think? I'm going to yeah. take legitimate rankings into Again, account and legitimate reasoning? Yeah, it doesn't matter. No, we shouldn't do that. This is not. This is. This is. We're not here to be rational. The analysis. The analysis for the team right now, which is you know obviously this is a bit of a bombastic segment, but the analysis right now for this team, as it always is, has to be, what's our route to a state title? Right. And we should be going into this year with nothing else on the plate, as we should every year. It doesn't matter who is ahead of us, and really. These rankings right now, the preseason rankings, mean nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. They no, mean zero. Simple. Until cleats are on the turf, none of this matters. The rational mind would say because Bergen Catholic beat St. Peter's Prep last year and above the rankings, they probably should be ranked above them in the preseason ranking. The St. Peter's Prep podcaster mind says that because we are a St. Peter's Prep podcast, we are going to call any ranking which we are not first <laughs> wrong and bad. Yes. So that is my logic. I'm gonna follow. I don't know. Yes. I, I, I also logically, think Bergen Catholic should be lost. Correct. I also think I'm not 30, here to be logical. I also think 34 is very low. I mean, that's I, a, I a, a, I a what it, it's a 20 place gorge. Like we're talk, like, Wait, you I mean, talking. Like you got every team in the country, Chris. Sure, but you think Bergen is 20 spots better than us? There's a lot Across of good teams the out there, a lot of good competition. So you're, tell you're telling me from 14 to 34, there are no teams that St. Peter's is better than. And I somehow, they, the whole list, after uh, last year, they lost to Bergen Catholic on kind of a janky touchdown by a score. A loss is a loss. Disputed touchdown. Sure a loss, is a, sure, a loss is a loss. But come on, it's not like we get blown out. Like, we, we were in... But remember, the, year that, the year that Bergen killed us in the state you game, we were you in the top 20. We both you were. Gotta, you had to remember, though, the rankings are based on the computers, the numbers, the mathematics. Uh, yeah, I don't it, trust computers. It's all about the it eye doesn't think, it Yeah, doesn't yeah, think yeah 21st century technology. It's the eye here, here in gritty Hudson County. We don't care about we use this. the eye the test. Analytics. Remember, that, remember when FBS used the computer? And look where that got them. Take I that for data. Yeah. Take that for data. So... Take that for data. Listen, high school football America, I really like them a lot. So, so again, like you said, Chris, the the pre preseason rankings they don't matter until we have cleats on the field. We yeah. play scrimmages and games against competition. So again, don't worry about the rankings for now. But I just wanted to put it out there that we are ranked thirty fourth in the country by high school football. And it's just 
cross comparison is so difficult. So I, I, I think that the national rankings ultimately should not matter because our goal is not to be the number one team in the country, although maybe at some point that could be on the docket. Your the goal, goal is to win your goal is, your goal is to win the state championship. They don't I mean, maybe you do get a trophy for number one, but I mean that most of that's out of your control. You need those California teams to drop games, you need Bishop Gorman to drop games, you need right. those St. Joe's to drop games. I am G. Yeah, IMG. You need all these teams to be worse you than they're expected to be. Apparently, need Trinity High School in Kentucky to drop games. Apparently, yeah, you need twenty apparently. teams between you and Bergen Catholic to drop games. Because what that happens makes if, sense. What happens Bingham if we beat them? Utah what, to drop games. What happens if we beat them this year, though? Like, what it, it, does is that enough to get us? Like, they're fourteen, we're thirty-four. What happens? Well, we got to see what happens with the rankings and the shuffling during the season. Yeah, I, I, I always am curious how this, how this shuffling is determined. So, we'll so I, to be fair, I mean, hopefully we should get a little more, you know, ranking clarity, given that we can play out of state games this year compared to last year, where you yeah. know, it was trap shoot between just people playing in state. Yeah, but yeah, it should be interesting to see because I, I no discredit to anything above us. I'm sure the people at High School of America know a bit more about this on the national context yes. than I do. But, uh, you know, we, we, we got to take into account that different teams are going to have different schedules in the way that they're going to play state versus out-of-state. It's going to be very – I'm very interested to see how they weight that after a full year of not really being able to use out-of-state games to judge teams. And, I mean, for what it's worth here, Bergen at 14, us at 34, that's predicting a, a blowout. Multi-scores. Like, the 14th team in the nation should never lose to a team 20 spots below them. If they're, if they're, if they're supposed to be there – then they don't lose those games and they don't come close to losing those games. And, you know, I, I feel like, I, I feel like the gap is not that wide for, for that. At least I hope it's not. Cause if it is, then we we're going to find out. We're going to be, we're going to have a rough year. We're going to find out in the season. We're going to find out in the season. With the program remodel, it will be interesting. So the first scrimmage for the football team will most likely be on August 16th. So again, stay tuned. We don't have the details. You have, who we're playing against, what time the game's going to be. Possibly there'll be some live coverage by me as well on the field. But as of now, first scrimmage will be most likely on August 16th. So stay tuned for that. Happy birthday to me, baby. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good birthday present for Jay. Lastly, as we mentioned for the past couple weeks now, registration is still open for Prep Baseball's Youth Summit Camp on August 2nd to the 5th. So make sure you follow them at SPP Baseball on Twitter for all the details on that. So make sure you sign up today if you're interested in participating. I believe that's grades four through eight, I believe, but don't quote me. Make sure you follow at SPB Baseball for all of those updates. And again, that's going to be it for this week's edition of the Prep Athletic News. So, Mark Movito, as we mentioned in the beginning, he was a two-time state champion in fencing. He is another great friend of the podcast, as Chris and Jay can attest. So, let's welcome in to this week's edition of the Alumni Spotlight from the class of 2019, Mark Movito. Welcome to the State of the Marauders Alumni Spotlight, sponsored by Siabra's Market. Located on 1315 Galloping Hill Road in Union, New Jersey. You'll find a huge variety of products in our stores. From the freshest fruit and vegetables to the tastiest meat and fish. 
Visit your local Siabra's Market store today. All right, thank you, Renato, and welcome back, everybody, to the Alumni Spotlight. We have another excellent guest this week for you all, member of one of the most dominant teams in the history of prep athletics. So with us this week, member of that, those fencing teams that if you were prep at the same time as me and JJ and graduated in the last couple of years, you know about that two-year undefeated streak, back-to-back state titles, one of the most dominant teams the, the school has ever seen. And Mark Levito was a part of one of those, or was a part of those teams. So I ask everybody how, you know, you end up at prep in the end. A lot of legacy, a lot of kids that are just like they had the appeal. I kind of know what your answer is, but if you want to go ahead and take it away and talk about how you ended up at St. Peter's, you can go for it. So it's kind of interesting because I had an older brother that also went to prep, but my parents, they made it, uh, made it open to me. Like you can look at whatever school you want, but you also have to look at prep. And so I looked at several schools. I did the freshman for a day there and everything, but none of them really clicked with me other than prep. So it wasn't really just because my brother went there. It was really because I chose it. So the a road frequently traveled, traveled in a bit of a different way, probably at a bit of a different yeah. But yeah, you ended up at St. Peter's. You graduated class 19 with me. Looking back on your four years, obviously a lot of successes and as an athlete on a couple of pretty incredible fencing teams, really four pretty incredible fencing teams. It's just those two in the middle were kind of probably the two greatest fencing teams in the history of the state and, you know, argument for the country. But looking back at your time at prep, is there a moment just generally at St. Peter's and a moment uh, in your time as an athlete that, you know, really and two moments that kind of like stuck out to you during your time? Oh, I, I guess as an athlete, I think it has to be me earning my varsity letter. I mean, my first year on the team, I was injured half the time. I was on crutches and it was, it was hard for me to kind of get back and earn my, earn my letter and, uh, and like provide, I guess, for the team. I was mostly there for support, which was fine. And I guess my, my second year there, I really, I had made it a point to myself to like prove myself and step up, you know, earn that, that jacket, earn that letter. And uh, I was just really proud of myself when I finally received it. And not as an athlete, I got it probably leading Kairos, I would say. That treat meant a lot to me, as I know does with a lot of students. And the ability to lead that and be able to impact lives the same way it impacted mine was just really gratifying and satisfying to do. I remember how hard you were you were working to get back on that team. Also, how frequently injured you were with the you did have some bum knees in, in high school. Knees and my ankles. Yeah, I just bad luck. But yeah, again, if one of the notes we touch on, it seems like every week with this, do not do what I did. Go on the retreats. If you are still at St. Peter's, do the retreats, please. I regret it quite frequently that I did not go on either. Make sure you get it done. It's so worth it. So yeah, that's one. That's one of the one of our messages for the week, as it always tends to be. So with that being said, now you've kind of moved on from your career as an athlete, as a fencer, on as a full time student, 
where are you at now and how has that kind of transition been from, you know, going from kind of a team sport and especially a super dominant team uh, to being, you know, just kind of a regular student? So I currently go to American University in Washington, D.C. And I'm involved with several organizations there where they are team focused. So like when I was on the team, I wasn't, oh, like, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't the star athlete. I wasn't a starter or anything, but I was, I was good at providing support and teaching and there for the team and being a team player. And I kind of try to bring that to my school as well. I work at this organization called EagleCom and we do public relations work for uh, charities and organizations. So I'm constantly speaking with people and helping them, you know, get their work done and things like that. So I, I try to try to bring that mentality that I had as an athlete to now my career, I guess, as a student. I think that's a good mindset to have about it. There's a, there's a few people that we've spoken to so far. Some of them are still working up the, the ranks at the college level as athletes and other ones are just kind of, you know, making their life as a student now. And I think for most people, they'd say that St. Peter's are very helpful in kind of preparing them for that transition to college life. So what would you say is the most important thing you learned at prep that kind of set you up for college? I think just the most important thing I learned at prep was just the ability to meet and connect with people. It's, it's different as, as we know, like with prep, you, a lot of people commute. It's not, it's a little bit out of their comfort zone to go there. And you now for me, it was like a 40 minute commute every day and see people you don't see like in your hometown, uh, things like that. And it's kind of similar in college when you go there and you see all these new faces that you've never seen before that are from all over the country instead of just all over New Jersey. And that ability to just kind of meet and connect with people and share your experiences and learn about people just through things like that. I think that was an invaluable lesson that prep taught me. Yeah. And that was something that Matt touched on a lot last week, the the importance of kind of the socially what prep was and the community of it and, you know, knowing how to how to kind of connect with people from all over the place so yeah i'm glad i'm glad we've touched on that now back to back weeks i feel like we got to get some different themes going on because everyone else talked about time management which is also important probably more important <laughs> but that that other aspect definitely going forward in, in life is one that you know in in life and not in work uh is definitely something that you're you know gonna gonna kind of stick with you so uh, that being said, you and I had a great many classes together at St. Peter's. Pro hair in the in the math room, Miss Schlitzer for apes. Uh, we we were we were around each other for a lot of the classes. But if you had to look back at your time at St. Peter's and think about you know who were your who was your favorite teacher, favorite class, just going back to thinking about a younger a younger Mark a younger Chris uh, in high school, what was your favorite classes of the ones that you've taken at St. Peter's? That's a, it's a good question, but also a tough question. But I think my favorite class, I've always loved English. I think my favorite class I ever took was junior year English with Miss McNally. I just, I love reading. I love the way she taught. And uh, the I liked my relationship with her a lot. I think it was just one of my, 
favorite teachers I've ever had in my life. Yeah, Mr. I, I never had the pleasure of having Mr. Cowley on like, uh, a full-time basis, but she did sub in a couple of my classes and she was she was cool. You'll rarely hear a bad word about anyone in the English department at St. Peter's, but but not to discount any other departments, but that'll probably be a popular answer for someone from the English department almost always gets a nod. Those being said, you know, look, you we've had some advice already. This recording it was mostly me just espousing my regrets uh, on 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 the people. But if you could look back your time at St. Peter's, obviously, you know, a high school kid, you're going to make mistakes, and everybody's going to make mistakes. And the way you go through uh, your time of prep, I was just talking about this with some people when we were out yesterday. Like I look back at my time in high school, I was like, I would absolutely do a, a lot of things differently. But you know. When you think back and, you know, maybe help steer people onto the a right path or not necessarily the right path, but a right path. What advice would you give students that are maybe still at St. Peter's right now and are trying to, you know, navigate through that experience? When thinking about my experience, the biggest thing that I would tell myself when I was a freshman or even like a sophomore is to, is to, is to find your people. And the, what I mean by that is the way you do that, for me, it was joining things. I joined the fencing team my sophomore year. I uh, started doing more clubs, stuff like that. And that's how I met my friends that I'm still friends with to this day. We just hung out like a week ago. And that's the more, the more you join things, the more people you meet, the more friends you have, and the more like lifelong connections you make, which is really what the best thing that prep does is it creates that those connections that you'll never forget. So that's the the best advice I can give to someone who's just starting prep or in the middle of their prep experience. And that's something we touched on a lot last week as well with Matt. And we kind of droned on about it forever. (laughs) We're just saying, you know, the importance of getting involved. And I, I don't know why this keeps keeping up, keeps coming up because well I guess I do because this is about this is about St. Peter's but the last like a couple of days ago or whatever not a couple of days ago like a week ago because I work at a I, I work virtually for a summer camp uh, that my university runs and I was telling people you know my advice for them in high school don't be a two fifty kid like that's the yeah. that's the moniker you get at St. Peter's do not be a two fifty kid it's just not worth it. You get the, those extra experiences, those, those special bonds you make with people over that time, and maybe even find some interest that you didn't know you had. I know, I mean, Mark and I did TV, TV studio, you know, a lot together. Like we did not a lot, obviously, meaning, you know, we went to the weekly meetings a lot, meaning we did a lot of stuff outside of, you know, what was expected of members of the club. So you just think about, you know, the skills that give you the bonds you get to make from that, uh, you know. The, the people you meet, the experiences you have, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, it's important to get involved like that. So uh, I think that being said, I think we've kind of hit the beats here. So let's think back now to, you know, your time on those two pretty incredible uh, fencing teams at, at St. Peter's. Obviously, you, you were injured, I believe, your, your junior year with a knee injury. Sophomore year. Sophomore year, you was a knee injury, yes. The sophomore year was the the was the first of two undefeated seasons for the fencing team. 
Can you talk about like what it was like to kind of be on a team that's that dominant? Like what is, what is the atmosphere like? What is the, the, the coaching staff kind of telling you guys as you're, you know, rolling through the schedule, like what's the, what's the general feel of being on a team like that? It's like a pretty incredible experience to just watch. Even though I was injured, I still went to practice and just helped out as much as I could. I went to all the meets, helped out as much as I could with trying to move chairs, even though I was on crutches. And it was really, I think the key was the coaching. We had this incredible coach. His name was Marat. And he just was able to teach people in a way that I've never seen before in anything, really. And he was really inspiring, encouraged people to practice and work and improve on everything. And everybody was on point, no pun intended, with what they were doing. And it was just incredible, like meet after meet. Like I, we, like you said, we, we never lost. And that is kind of weird to watch at first. It's like, oh, like, yeah, we won this one. We won this one. It's like, oh, this team is tough, but we should be able to win. And then for two years, it didn't really sink in. Like after the, the second year, it was like, well, we never lost for two years straight. And it, I think it's just kind of a testament to how hard all of like the starters worked and how hard the coach worked, how hard Marat worked to be able to say that, like that we as a team never lost a meet. We never, we never conceded. And that's, it was really incredible to watch, to see that kind of dominance in a way and then see the team get closer through that dominance over the, the sport. Yeah, no, and it was, it was pretty incredible to watch as a um, kind of an outsider to it. Uh, and I think most people would say that, that it was just kind of a very strange time to, to like – kind of suddenly things started to, to kick up for the fencing team in a way that was kind of different than any other thing that we'd seen in our years at St. Peter's. Uh, so, you know, obviously you have all that momentum, you have all those, you know, those wins racking up. Is it ever, did it ever, do you think it ever played on the team's mind? Like, okay, we're down right now, but like we have to make sure the undefeated streak keeps going more than, you know, like, was it, was it like a motivator constantly for the team? Like, we had to go out today and keep the streak going or like, what, what was the, the, the effect of having that long of a, a win streak on the team, like from a motivation point of view? I think, I think it definitely was somewhat of a motivator. It was, I don't think it ever went to anybody's heads as like an ego thing, but it definitely was like a, like there's a title that we have to work for to maintain type. Uh, feeling in the team and and I think that also kind of contributed to the motivation to work harder and to improve to make sure that we maintain that 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 title for two years in a row and even in our our third year it wasn't we only lost three meets so for a while we were still undefeated you know, it was a very, it was a very long streak and kind of thing, you know, people started taking notice in a way that, you know, kind of, you know, not to be disrespectful in any way, 
but it is a smaller program. Like the yeah, absolutely at, at St. Peter's, you know, and in high school sports in, in general, primarily that your big your big sports are going to be football and basketball, and the student body could really not care all that much about anything else that's going on. But kind of the atmosphere around the, the fencing team grew pretty massively as as the win streak wore on. What was that like experience like, you know, kind of seeing the sport grow on campus more from a like recognition perspective? I, it was really awesome because like I uh, like, you know, I tried to get like friends to come to the meets. I remember asking you to come to a few meets and stuff and then actually seeing people show up that weren't just like the usuals was really cool and then having the second time we went to state champs having like a, even a small portion of the nation show up was really just satisfying to see and it was like it felt like the people like the starters that worked really hard for this got what they deserved and what they worked hard for and I was really happy to see that to see you know my friend Bryce was like felt like a really like he actually had worked for something and was being like acknowledged for it. And I feel like if that's what it really felt, I felt like acknowledgement and recognition as, like, yeah, right now we are one of the best teams at prep and we're being recognized for it. And that's really satisfying to experience. Yeah. Let's not pretend that you weren't the best team at prep at the time. I mean, in our, in our four years, nobody won. Nobody won. I mean, you had a couple of counties, but I mean, we were talking about, you know, national number one ranking. No team had ever gone undefeated in the state for fencing over a full season. And you guys did it twice back to back. So to, to say that you're one of the best teams of prep is maybe a bit of an understatement. But just kind of running through that 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 crazy two season run was was pretty incredible to watch as kind of a uh, an outsider uh and you had the ability to contribute to that be on that team your senior year you were able to get more of a look when the the injuries went away and uh, you know it's more spots opened up uh you get more of a look in uh, as a starter rather than an alternate but yeah that, that team was pretty incredible you got to be a part of it it was also it was always awesome to you know all the fencing kids that were with us at, at our at our lunch table I don't know why it was all seemed like our table was always a, a strange mix. It was a track kids and, and fencing kids. And that was kind of the group. So shout out to everyone else that was that was fencing over there. Bryce, Nick Gale, Alec, you know, all, all those kids that were also starters on that team that were or starters and alternates on that team helped make this possible. I still have a couple of those those guys yesterday. And, you know, all good guys couldn't happen to a, I wouldn't say that that undefeated streak could have happened to a better group of fellows. With all that being said, I think we'll call it a wrap for this week. I'll hand it back over to uh, Renato. And that being said, Mark, thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you to Mark for taking the time this week to sit down with Chris. And of course, again, Chris, you do a great job with these interviews. So thank you for conducting the interview as well. And it, it's been a blast getting to hear some of the alums and seeing how they're doing since leaving prep right chris haven't you enjoyed doing these interviews yeah no they've been they've been a lot of fun uh being able to kind of look back on our time at st peter's and like the the sports teams that have kind of passed through obviously my my period was kind of in a in a spot between kind of the 
when prep kind of a, a bit of a lull in the preps dominance in the traditional big sports and football, basketball, they were still good teams, but you know, obviously my era is maybe a little bit different than, uh, than other people. So kind of looking back at, you know, not so obvious, you know, massive trauma triumphs for St. Peter's like, you know, looking back at, you know, Carney last week, looking back at winning the reg league title against the red league yes. title against Carney. And, you know, Kyle has scoring that penalty. Like, that's something that people that if they were not at prep at the same time that I would, will probably like that's going to fade in like a year or two. Like, people aren't going to remember that. But especially with, you know, the rabid success of basketball and football winning a state title recently, you kind of have that that excellent success in, in big sports that kind of washes that out. But being able to take time and look back at kind of the, the smaller programs and the smaller events and the grand scheme of prep history. It's a, it's a lot of fun to live through that with the people that were there for it. So thank you once again to Mark for coming on this week's edition of the alumni spotlight, the guys. And I really do appreciate you taking the time. So I, I think it's time guys to talk about one of the more interesting plays in prep history as you guys really want, Chris and Jay really wanted this to be the moment of the week. So we're going to talk about a trip down memory lane as we're going to go back in time to 2016 as your Marauders are at Caven to take on the Scene Hall Prep Pirates. Welcome to Marauder Rewind, sponsored by the Tona Bene Group. They provide leadership solutions for nonprofit organizations, as well as professional fundraising, executive solutions, and sales for New Jersey businesses. For more information, call 201-932-0100 today. That's 201-932-0100. So expectations were high in 2016. You know, Jonathan Lewis was his second year at quarterback. After the previous year, the Marauders got stunned by St. Joe's Regional in the semifinals at home, which was not not a, a pleasant sight to experience. I wasn't at that game, but I was following on, on Twitter, and that was not, 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 not a good sight, not a good sight. The Adamaloa Twins and Shane Simon were starting to make their presence felt in the program as we headed to 2016. Jorge Real, Masaki Ertz, were proving to be good leaders for the program as they had it into their senior year campaign. But before we talk about the game at hand, which was against Cena Hall, you know, that was game number three of the regular season, let's quickly talk about the first two. And the, for the first time in school history, they went to Ireland. They went across the country, across the ocean for the 2016 American Football Showcase. First team in state history to play a high school game in another country. And they would win that game against Blessed Trinity of Georgia of all teams. 41 to 28, led by Jorge Puerto Real's three touchdowns, rushing, receiving, and an interception return as well. And great, great victory by the guys there. They enjoyed themselves in Ireland. They had a bye week because of all the travel that was going on. It made Sanchez to take a bye week there. And then they would face off against Petty two weeks after that game. They had the home opener at Caden. 
Another big victory, 43-26. And again, Jorge Puerto Real getting three more touchdowns. So six touchdowns in two games by Jorge Puerto Real. Two receiving, one punt return. So he was doing everything for the team that year. Jason Almelowa had three and a half sacks in that game as well. So that, I mean, great start for the Marauders heading to in this game against Seen Hall Prep. And my memory was a little bit foggy from that game against Seen Hall Prep. I know Chris and Jay had a better recollection than I do. Is that right, guys? You guys remember that game better than I do? I definitely do. So they were in the nation when this game happened. So, so, so guys, tell the viewers what you remember most about this game. Well, first of all, the timing of it was miserable. This was a 11 o'clock kick. Oh, my goodness. Saturday game. Saturday. Saturday 11 a.m. at Caven. Saturday 11 a.m. at Caven. There was next to nobody there. You had the, you know, you had your committed people that would go to all the games, and that was about it. So, you, you, you know, it's another one of those kind of games. One of those DePaul away kind of days. Yeah, one of those ones that you're go- you're only going to see the people that are there for the for the football. So obviously it's Seton Hall. They're not a serious team. So you know we were expecting a a, a pretty thorough whooping of this just consistently garbage Seton Hall team. And we, we you know we got what we, what we paid for. It was it was one of those one of those games that it was like yeah we're gonna win this one and I just want to be here in case something you know funny happens. <laughs> so it was a it was a very crisp fall morning. I remember being pretty cold and you know I think I think the score at that point when when this oh this incredible event took place. I think it was fourteen nothing. I think yes, I think it was fourteen. And Seton Hall had just gotten the ball back. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. So Seton Hall had, had just gotten the ball back from Jonathan Lewis, took it 32 yards for rush touchdown by himself. Very underrated, by the way. Do not do not ever speak ill of Jonathan Lewis. He was a very good quarterback here. Joe Henry, also a very good kicker. So Seton Hall got the ball back on the kick. I think they had a like five-yard rush or something to open a drive. And, you know. I think they were trying a, a bubble screen or an out route or something. Yeah, the, based, based on the video I'm seeing, it looked like it was it was a bubble screen to the yeah, right. Yeah, it was a bubble screen to the right. And Chris Stoltz, our nose tackle, who started, I believe, on the offensive and defensive line in his freshman and sophomore years, comes off the edge. Guy tries to whoever the quarterback was. Um, my apologies. Doesn't matter who the quarterback is anyway. Mike Michael Mugetto. Yeah, I, well, I mean it's Seton Hall. Like, I, I don't know who these people are. Oh no, it wasn't Michael. It was it was Aiden Gilman. Ooh. So yeah, Aiden Gilman. Sorry, uh, bud, but yeah, I mean you really did have a stinky game. So he tries to you know get a, get one of those line drive, not really trying to loop it over the line or anything, just trying to flick it almost sidearm to the the bubble screen. Chris Stoltz comes off the edge. He sees where the, he sees the pass is going. He doesn't try to chase the quarterback. Puts his hands up, pops it up in the air. And it's like the air came out of the crowd. Like everyone's like, that ball's up. Like, is this a pick? And then I, I think it takes another little bobble before he puts it in his arms. And the whole place went into friggin' delirium. Like it was you, you can see that the camera was shaking too when, when it the- was just <laughs> everyone's like, this guy 
is the biggest dude I've ever seen. He was nicknamed Big Sexy for him. He called him Big Sexy. And there was a good reason for that because he was probably like six foot, 300 and something pounds. Like he was a big kid. So he, we're like, is there any chance this guy actually, like he's got a big head start. Like, does he have enough? It's a twenty. It's twenty-five yards. Credits do. I I think it's Adam Ola. I can't really see. Someone was blocking for him. Like someone got the yeah. heads up. They saw the ball in there and immediately switched yeah. position, gets in front of the quarterback, and just lays one down. Yeah. So he had like a solid, you know, ten yards on anybody before they even got off the block. I I, I believe that was Justin on the edge there. Yeah, I think it's Adam Ola. I can't really tell though. It's, yeah, yeah. I think it was Justin Adam Ola with Adam Ola. So it was a they you see him going back with it and it was just a mosh. The whole like the the three rows of people that were there just crushed into the middle. It was unbelievable. People were not you JJ pointed out in our in our group chat the the offensive coordinator spiking his play cards. Oh yeah, no, it's the classic cartoonish <laughs> image of the guy throwing the clipboard. He's like, what the he has no idea what's going on. The poor guy. 23 yards, Chris Dalter on the back. Everyone's going nuts. The game ended 42-14. I mean it was not close. We got to see Masai come into the game. He had a touchdown in this one. Uh, that was oh man, just like they, looking back at this year, thunder and lightning. Damian Abrams, Dakari Falconer. Oh yeah, that was Dakari was Dakari uh, was rapid. Dakari Dakari was great, and his brother Damani also was an awesome player for for St. Peter's. Yes, he was in the linebacker. linebacker. Yeah, he's a linebacker, one of the team captains in 2019 or 2018 yeah. 19. Yeah, yeah. Prep usually does well with twins. You gotta say, yeah, brothers, brothers and twins brothers tend and to twins do are, very are well. Yeah, I mean they had. Yeah, no, that's and all during during our four years, you had Simons, Falconers, Oben, uh, Molas, the Obens, yeah, the Obens, yeah. yeah, no, I mean it's a yeah. They're very brother heavy. That's interesting. I didn't even think about it like that. But yeah, this was an awesome year because this is the first year of the uh, of the Super Conference. Right. So games that weren't on eleven o'clock at on a Saturday <laughs> were very very well attended, even on the road. So this was yeah. this was the year that we uh, everyone started like really going to the football games because like who wants to you know go out to watch St. Peter's beat up on like Memorial like oh listen I do wait, I'll wait, go wait, but no, like, when I was at prep, like I always hated to go to those games. I'm like, we're gonna win by like 50 points. Like, what's the point of going to those games? Why? Yeah, it was. It would always be ugly. I mean, the only the only Hudson County game that's ever worth going to is Union City because they have yeah. the coolest stadium. Yes, I like their stadium. Stadium's very nice. Yeah, the Eagles Nest. The Eagles Nest. The so- I think the Swing Eagles Nest, right? Swing Eagles. I think um, they did. I don't know. Maybe. So during that season, right? As Chris mentioned, that was the first year of the Super Football Conference. They would have a couple of tough losses in the regular season, as Chris mentioned, very well attended games on the road, but they would lose to Paramus Catholic by a touchdown, St. Joe's Regional by two touchdowns, which started the not playing well against Joe's conversation, and then Tabasco at home right before the playoffs. And you guys are probably thinking when we lost to Bosco, oh, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna do well in the playoffs, right? Because you know. Going into the into the playoffs with with that like bad momentum didn't look good, right? 
I don't know. You can, it was funny because I mean, looking looking at it at the time, the way the bracket came out for us was pretty spectacular. Because so, had, I mean, Delby, Delby in the quarter. Yeah, uh, Delby and then Bergen, who were without their quarterback after an ACL tear, I believe. That's right. That's yeah, right. So that, their QB was out with an ACL tear. Bergen still had that great wall offensive line. You no, know, Bergen was uh, a dangerous team, but it was not. It was. It's kind of. I, I'm trying to make a good analogy. I don't really have one, but like, it, it's kind of like you know, there's a certain level of threat that when a skill position player that is being protected by the offensive line just isn't there. The offensive line can keep the defensive line off the quarterback all you want, but if the quarterback isn't making throws, then you know, really, what's the point? And the the thing was at that at that time, uh, St. Peter's very much had a, an off a defensive line that was like as good as the the Bergen, you know, great wall that they had. I mean, you had a lot of Chris Stoltz as the, as a nose tackle was excellent. You had the two Adam Alolas. You had Shane that would Good come thing. in sometimes, sometimes play coverage. You know, you had a, you had, you know, Chase starting to, to come into the mix as another big lad. Yeah, RJ. They were team. very, very deep, especially on the line. So, I mean, when you, when you have a team like Bergen, that was going to, you know, probably score you off the field and then their quarterbacks out of the game. And I you remember have, a way to bottle up the run a little bit and, you know, make sure that nothing goes crazy. Uh, you know, you're in pretty good shape. And I mean, the Del Barton at that point wasn't like uh, this. This was a time in New Jersey where the parody did not really exist. I, I say now that the parody is a lot better now across the state because it seems like there are more like in any given year. There's not like two teams that just run through the schedule like it was during my four years. I agree. There's a lot more parody now. Than yeah. Than so you know Del Barton, you're like, yeah, whatever, who cares? We're gonna we're gonna beat we're gonna beat up on him, and then we did, and then the Bergen, Bergen Catholic yeah. game. That, that was at Bergen, you know. Oh, what a game! What a game. Was it was a finish. Is absolutely my dumb. favorite. My Just favorite was game. not. It was. It was. It's good because one of those games, where, like from the very start, from the first right. kickoff, it was clear this game was never gonna be a stressful game. Like, yes, uh, they just dominated off the gun, mm-hmm. and it was just you know a fun one, straight up. Right. So, oh, Johnny football. Oh my God. It was Johnny football at quarterback. I had no idea. That's a good, that's a good, oh hit. my God. He was that's nine for hit. 28, two interceptions. Oh my goodness gracious, Johnny. Yeah. Two future Rutgers players More going like at each other. Football, am I right? Johnny guys? was, oh, he was dreadful that game. I do well, remember he was. To be fair, Johnny football would end up getting his revenge. Yeah. The next day, yeah. We're going to have to give him credit there. Yeah. But but so we defeated Bergen, right? We defeated Bergen. We got to the, to MetLife to face Paramus Catholic for the third time in four years. And you, everyone's thinking to that match. You know, there's gonna be the team. Who's gonna be the 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 the, 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 the who's gonna be the better team, right? Prep won in 2014. Paramus won 2015. Who's gonna win 2016? And you know, we yeah, had a good start today. Had it been for the refs, maybe us. It is. Well, it is under dispute. Again, this is from the Ayer's mouth that, that they did recover that last onside kick with a chance to to drive down for the for the win, but the officials called it yeah. for not traveling ten yards when it looked like it went about twelve. Right. So, I mean, a double onside recovery, I guess, was too much to ask. And you know how you know St. Peter's is just traditionally not a very charmed team. Yeah. We, we, uh, started, so we started off well in this game, though, guys. We were up at half 14 to 7. 
Yeah, but I mean, you took off for most of the second half. It was a bad, it was a bad, bad performance. You did what Boston uh, did in 2019, half. where we, we looked good in the first half, and then the second half, we just kind of rested. Yeah, capitulated. And, you know, they didn't, they were not a, they had a couple of, of guys. They were primarily a rushing offense. Andrew Brito, I'll never forget. I mean, I think he was the, he was the backup going into this year, and the starter got hurt, and he came and out. I'm pretty sure he became play of the year. Running the QB. Year. Yeah, I mean, he was just uh, they had they had a bunch of guys that were just very very good rushers. They had a solid offensive line. Defensively, mm-hmm. they were a very that year they were a very good defensive team. It's hard to it's hard to think of, especially if you're on the younger end of of people that are involved with St. Peter's. It's hard to think of Paramus as like this kind of juggernaut school post Rashawn Gary and you know Jabril Peppers. And it's you know like, the live the real live nation times, but Paramus after you know kind of the live nation folks kind of left, they still had you know some serious talent on the team, and it just it eventually it just fell apart. But not in time for St. Peter's to pick up uh, a state title. Right. So as Chris mentioned, it was a tough way to lose that game. You know, up fourteen seven and a half. The Paladins came out in the second half, big way, scoring 26 consecutive points. We tried to come back, had one onside recovery, scored a couple touchdowns. We got to within five points, tried to get another onside kick, which was controversially not ruled in our favor, which we're not going to talk about that. It's whatever. So we would lose 33-28. It was a tough way to end what, to, to me, was a remarkable season for the Marauders, you know. And, and the big sexy interception has to be one of those plays that you remember from a season like this. Even though we didn't get the title, a play like that will definitely stick on your mind forever, as Chris and Jay alluded to. Right, guys? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that – it's the, the St. Peter's State title is uh, – it's always the journey. <laughs> it's – uh, the way that we that we always seem to cut it out is just, you know, you get a few years of where – you get real close, and then after a few more years, you you end up getting to the mountaintop, and then you take a few years off again. We're rarely dynastic, which is right. you know frustrating in some ways, but and uh, in, in it other ways, it makes it more rewarding. I would yeah. say yeah. Uh, it's great storytelling, as unintentional as it may be, but you know St. Peter's, you know having having losses like this, and especially having losses like the one that came the next year. Ooh. Oh, yeah. uh, it kind of helps build. You play in the state title next year? I don't remember that. No, I do. because I, I, I don't think the... that happened. Oh, man. I'm pretty I, sure we did not play that year. I, don't, I, don't, I think that that there was, was not a game that year. That was two hours of my life I will never get back. Yeah, let's not talk about I, that. I distinctly remember there was no state championship in, in that year. Yeah, when that I was hideous. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's kind of the backbone of a, of a program. If you have a coach like Rich Hansen that can kind of, you know, not make those moments into, you know, ones that are just total backbreakers for your program. Then all of a sudden now you're back down the rung, back a few rungs down the ladder. Like, you know, a Don Bosco, for example, who after getting, after losing a close state title to St. Peter's last year were terrible this year, especially by their standards. So, you know, being able to have someone like Rich Hanson, who was able to keep kids, you know, motivated and, you know, like the next year they would go, they went or my senior year, they went six and six and they still, you know, gave a, gave a run at St. Joe's in the, in the semifinals, even though after, you know, not a great regular season and losing a lot of talent the year before 
like being a, being able to motivate a team to kind of keep coming back is very very impressive and clearly it's something that not all teams are able to to harness so yeah st peter's being in the position that they are uh this frequently it always it always makes for things to be at least a little interesting every year okay so we'll, we'll see what happens this year thank you everyone again for tuning into this week's episode of the podcast be sure to spread the word by sharing our social media profile at Marauders to everyone you know and continue to check them out for all of the latest updates. See you all next week, everybody. And as always, let's go prep. Hey, this is senior lacrosse captain Colin Williams, and you are listening to the State of the Marauders podcast sponsored by D1 Media Pro, the number one live stream in the state for high school sports.